It's Thursday, November the 5th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, America's election staggers towards an end, and the coronavirus doesn't. First, the world in brief. Still awaiting a clear outcome in America's presidential election, Joe Biden racked up narrow victories in Michigan and Wisconsin and told his supporters that it is clear we will win. Hours earlier, President Donald Trump had told his own crowd, frankly, we won, and promised litigation. Millions of ballots are still to be tallied, but the numbers are adding up in Mr. Biden's favor. He appears to be holding on to slim leads in Arizona and Nevada. Even without results from Pennsylvania or Georgia, that would ensure that, courts permitting, he wins the presidency. If Democrats' hopes of winning the presidency remain high, their prospects in the Senate look increasingly dim. They have flipped seats in Arizona and Colorado, but have failed to do so in Maine. Democratic candidates hold out some hope in Georgia, where one runoff election is certain and another may be on the cards. Amid its frantic ballot tallying, America also counted more than 100,000 new coronavirus infections, making it the first country to cross the six-figure threshold in a single day. COVID-19's resurgence in Europe forced Italy to shut down Milan and the rest of Lombardy, the region worst battered in the spring, just as Britain reimposed a lockdown. Denmark decided to cull 17 million minks living in fur farms after the creatures were found to have infected humans with a new mutation of the virus. America formally left the Paris Climate Agreement, something that Mr Trump first promised to do in 2017. The president claims that the pact, under which America promised to cut emissions by at least 26% from their 2005 levels by 2025, will hurt the economy. Joe Biden has promised more ambitious climate targets if he is elected president. America's trade deficit in goods and services was $63.9 billion in September, a 4.7% fall on the previous month, which was a 14-year high. Exports up 2.6% to $176.4 billion were buoyed by increased food and drink sales, particularly soya beans. Mr Trump has made reducing the deficit, especially with China, a priority. At $11.5 billion in September, goods exports to China reached their highest level since 2018. Turkey ended search and rescue efforts for survivors trapped in rubble after an earthquake last Friday. The tremor, the epicentre of which was in the Aegean Sea, killed at least 116 people in the western city of Izmir and on a nearby Greek island. The earthquake was the deadliest to hit Turkey in nearly a decade. And North Korea banned smoking in some public places, including cinemas, hospitals and ideological education centres. The Supreme People's Assembly wants to promote hygienic living. Around 44% of North Korean men are reckoned to be smokers. Will the law apply to Kim Jong-un, North Korea's supreme leader, who is thought unable to last more than a few minutes without a gasper? And now, here's today's agenda. Grinding it out, America's presidential race. It has been an extraordinary 24 hours. Democrats, pollsters and forecasters began election night sure that Joe Biden would cruise to victory. Then he lost Florida early, hoped-for gains in places like North Carolina evaporated, and Democrats began panicking. 
In the small hours, Donald Trump seemed within sight of a remarkable comeback. But though the polls overestimated him, Mr. Biden is now ahead. He has won the crucial upper Midwestern states of Michigan and Wisconsin and has a narrow lead in Nevada. If that holds, he will win the White House. The late vote may also give him Pennsylvania and hence a comfortable Electoral College win. By early Wednesday morning, Mr. Trump seemed to anticipate the pro-Biden blue shift in the counting, saying, we did win, crying fraud and threatening litigation. It is far from clear on what legal grounds he might prevail. The counting and the contention continue. Falling short, Democrats and the Senate. The prospects for the next presidency hinge on the makeup of the Senate. The upper chamber confirms all federal judges and top executive branch appointments, ratifies treaties and makes laws along with the House. Despite Democrats' high hopes and The Economist's forecasts, their prospects for flipping the Senate look dim. The Democrats won two seats in Arizona and Colorado, missed a hoped-for gain in Maine and lost a seat, as expected, in Alabama. That leaves them 47 seats, four short of a majority. A couple of the disappointments were expensive. At least $100 million was raised to unseat Lindsey Graham, a Republican senator from South Carolina, who won by 14 percentage points. In Kentucky, $88 million was spent trying to oust Mitch McConnell, the majority leader. He cruised to a 21-point victory. The Senate's ultimate composition might not be decided until Georgia holds runoff elections in January, but these two are probable Republican holds. California Uber Allies – Proposition 22 passes Are gig workers indeed contractors, as rideshare companies have argued? Last year, California's legislature passed a bill that would require gig economy firms to reclassify them as employees. That law, which had until recently been mired by challenges in court, posed a dire threat to firms like Uber and Lyft. Operating costs in their home state and any that followed its example would have rocketed because of the protections due to employees. But Californian voters have bailed them out. On Tuesday, they voted for Proposition 22, which exempts gig firms from the law. The gig economy giants did not leave the ballot measure to chance. They formed a coalition that put a $200 million campaign behind it, spending similar to this year's most competitive Senate elections. Uber, which reports quarterly earnings today, is likely to celebrate the result for investors, but costs will probably rise nonetheless. The initiative still guarantees drivers health care benefits as well as minimum earnings. Squashed like a bug, Ant's suspended IPO. Ant Group's shares were meant to start trading today in Hong Kong and Shanghai. Instead, the Chinese fintech giant is scrambling to refashion its business model to comply with China's new rules for online lending. It is a brutal twist for the firm, which had been set for the world's biggest initial public offering ever, raising almost $40 billion. Why regulators turned on it is unknown. Were the knives out for Jack Ma, Ant's brash founder, after he dared recently to criticise the government? Or did officials truly believe that the new rules, which will force Ant to hold more capital, would slash its value and hurt investors piling into its shares? Either way, the sudden suspension is an ugly reflection of China's regulatory caprices. 
Ant has had to reinvent itself several times to stay on the right side of China's fast-evolving rules. Its challenge now is even greater in the glare of the global spotlight. Desperate Times, Britain's Economy With daily deaths from COVID-19 at their highest since May, England returns to lockdown today. Shops and pubs will shut and people must stay at home where possible, though schools will stay open. The measures will further weaken a battered economy. Credit Suisse, a bank, reckons Britain's output will shrink by 5% this quarter and by 11.8% over 2020 as a whole. To lessen the pain, the Bank of England is expected to announce more monetary stimulus today. Analysts think it may opt for another £100 billion, $130 billion of quantitative easing, bringing the total to £845 billion. The bank's bond buying has kept down the cost of government borrowing. Ten-year bonds yield just 0.2% a year, although a big fiscal deficit has pushed government debt to 103.5% of GDP. And that deficit will increase, not least because Rishi Sunak, Britain's finance minister, has extended a furlough scheme that pays workers 80% of their normal pay. Finally, here's the quote of the day from John Fowles, who died on this day in 2005. Duty largely consists of pretending that the trivial is critical. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.